Good afternoon, everybody. Um, just want to share some words that I always think exemplify what we do here and what our vision is and mission is for our city. And they're simple words. We gather here today to use our resources wisely and well to represent all members of our community fairly to make decisions with insight, vision, and understanding that promote the common good for today and tomorrow. And may our personal beliefs give us strength to act honestly and wisely in all matters before us. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, as I said, there was no closed session, so no report. And we have a presentation from the College of the Desert about a free online landscaping certification training. Good afternoon. Thank you so much for allowing me this time. My name is Veronica Isurieta. I am the director of PACE, which is Partnership and Community Education for College of the Desert. And we've partnered with the Coachella Valley Association of Governments to provide an online free training for our landscapers. This program was developed to provide workforce training for our landscapers here in the Coachella Valley and to address the need to reduce dust emissions and to improve our air quality. We'd like to show a very short video that will give you an introduction to the training and the purpose of the training. Welcome to the Overseeding Certification course for landscapers in the Coachella Valley. This course is brought to you by the Coachella Valley Association of Governments, or CVAG. The Coachella Valley Association of Governments, in partnership with the Coachella Valley Cities, have adopted a valley-wide ordinance to improve air quality. Coachella Valley area landscapers and landscape-related businesses are being asked to join the clean air effort by using alternative turf renovation and seeding techniques. CVAG has created this course to help educate landscape professionals about these alternative techniques. Completion of this overseeding certification course is required to obtain a new landscape-related business license. The primary goal is to reduce dust emissions, specifically to reduce PM10 dust emissions during fall turf overseeding. Let's learn a little more about PM10 dust emissions. Great. Thank you so much. So as you can see, this training provides an explanation and solutions to the major air pollution problems here in the Coachella Valley. I think I'm going way too fast. With this. <laughs> we could go back a couple slides. Yeah. <laughs> um, the training will provide an overview of the PM10 
dust emissions and turf renovation and seeding techniques to reduce dust emissions and to improve our air quality here in the Coachella Valley. It provides an in-depth guide and best practices for reseeding. It reviews water conservation goals, recycling, green waste, and compost as they relate to reseeding and proper seeding techniques. To ensure that trainees are obtaining the skills that are in the training information, we have periodic training knowledge checks. And upon successful completion of the program, trainees will receive a certificate of completion. The Landscaper Certification Program is for applicants applying for a new um, business license or renewing their business license. The certification is good for one year, so we're asking landscapers to take and retake this certification training each year so that they can refresh their skills. The training was developed in response to the Clean Air Plan and the need for us to meet the state qualifications for our standards. CVAG organized the, an Energy and Environmental Resource Committee to do more for our air quality here in the Coachella Valley, which included providing this landscaper training. The, in 2016, CVAG partnered with Coachella Valley Water District, and we extended the landscaper program to include a module on issues around water conservation. This training provides information relating to best practices of water conservation to include desert-friendly low water landscaping and turf grass water use efficiency. Again, this training is designed to ensure that we have skill attainment and it has periodic knowledge checks. And this one has a final assessment that the trainee must pass with 70% or higher to earn their certificate of completion. The training is free, is at no cost for the landscaper. It's fast, it takes approximately 60 minutes to take each of the different modules. We offer it in both English and Spanish, and it's convenient. It can be taken at any, with any computer, their home, office, library, smartphone even, um, or they can take it at PACE. PACE is located in the Palm Desert Mall, and we're here to assist anyone who may need help accessing the training program, or they may need help printing their certificate, or if they have to use a computer, we have a um, computer lab that is available. So together we can make a difference, and we're just asking for your support of the program and to work with CVAG and College of the Desert to share information about the program to our landscapers. We have provided brochures to all of the city offices, so if that could be handed out, when an applicant comes in to apply for their license. Um, we ask for your support in stressing the importance of the training and also to refer to any individual that needs assistance to PACE and we would be there to assist them. So thank you for your contribution to clean air and water conservation and I appreciate the time today. Well, thank you. Uh, this is superb information. I know each receding season, I get questions from residents, and I'm sure that my colleagues do too, so it will be wonderful to be able to pass on this information. Any 
questions from my colleagues? Thank you. I wanted to say thank you for providing additional opportunities. Uh, the fact that it is bilingual, the fact that it's compatible on various modalities is wonderful. With all of the superlative options to advance our vocational options and opportunities. So coming from a background in education, I greatly appreciate that you're helping to fill this gap in the community. Thank you. Thank you. All right, thank you. Uh, city manager comments. Thank you, Mayor. Uh, we do have a few uh, quick updates for council tonight. I'd like to kick off uh, with Martin Alvarez uh, to provide us a overview of our facilities update for council. Give you an idea of some of the things that have been accomplished in the last year and some of the projects they're currently working on. And while Martine's getting uh, ready, I'd like to introduce this gentleman up here in the, in the suit. You may not recognize Randy Chavis, who's been promoted to our, our new deputy director of public works and Sean Muir, who's our community, man development, community manager. So, yeah, it's the first time I've seen him in a tie anyway. Um, so. I'll be loud, I guess. <laughs> That's better. Um, we wanted to give you an opportunity, we want to give you an update on all our projects that our team uh, has been working on uh, regarding facilities, parks, uh, and medians as well. And so we want to take this opportunity to just give you an update on the key projects that are going on, uh, then also give you an update on some projects that are coming in the near future as well. Okay, so we're going to touch upon just a couple of projects in each of these categories, city hall, fire stations, our city-owned buildings, our parks, and our aquatic center. First at City Hall, uh, you've noticed, or maybe you have noticed, haven't noticed, but we replaced all of the uh, sprinkler, fire sprinkler heads here at uh, the beautiful law, uh, uh, council chamber. Uh, after the renovation, we took it upon ourselves to make sure that we had the safest uh, system possible to ensure the safety of our, our residents and visitors. We also installed new uh, sliding doors at all of our entrances. This included ballistic resistant material that'll help us keep safe, uh, safer for our residents uh, and guests as well. Uh, those are all completed as well. At our fire stations, we worked with our uh, captains and chiefs uh, to uh, restore and renew the apparatus bay doors. Um, this is something not just as an aesthetic, um, it's also a safety, but it also helps us improve our response time for our uh, our, our residents and visitors alike. So this is a, a, part, a project that we're proud of completing. At our city-owned buildings, we recently replaced two air conditioning and heating units at the community center. Um, at the Palm Desert iHub, we recently added a, uh, a new glassed partition that helps us improve acoustics in the classroom space that is currently being operated by Cal State San Bernardino Palm Desert. Uh, so we're happy to uh, upgrade that facility as well. At a parks, um, a lot of projects are, uh, have been completed. Uh, we have basically done some upgrades to the Arbor of Remembrance at Joelman Park. You'll see the before and after picture there. Uh, we've resurfaced the tennis courts at Kuwait Hills Park. There's a before and after as well. Um, here at our Civic Center Park, we recently installed a new shade structure that replaced an old one that needed to be uh, uh, basically put uh, into uh, retirement, if you will. Uh, and so this is a new solid uh, structure that gives us a long life uh, for the future of, of the dog park users. Uh, recently we completed uh, the 
re-application of the shade cloth structures uh, uh, to the amphitheater. Uh, so this is ready now, and we're excited to be ready here for the uh, spring season and for our concerts in the park as well that are coming uh, later this, this, this spring. Um, later this month, um, our team will be working on installing new fitness equipment throughout our Civic Center Park, and so we're excited to, to bring that project forward, uh, and uh, we're uh, gonna be moving forward uh, shortly. Just some other maintenance and restoration projects that have occurred. The uh, rotary clock restoration has been completed. You'll see the, the picture there on the left. Uh, we've picked and chosen various key landscaped areas to enhance and provide updates to, uh, to those areas. We completed the uh, repairs to the uh, dog park misting system um, and, uh, of course, some of the, the key landscaped areas. Um, at several of these parks that are listed here, we recently uh, completed the, the refreshment and base mature refresh, refresh um, that provides, obviously, a safer, user-friendly uh, for our playgrounds and, and all these parks. Um, you've, you've seen that throughout the last six months, we've, hold, we've held a couple of public engagement uh, meetings. This is to gather information from our residents of the planning process for two parks that are potentially planned in the North Palm Desert area. Uh, we held community meetings at the iHub uh, with input from residents, uh, and, and that was very successful. We'll have an update to the City Council of the completion of the public engagement. We'll also come back with you, to you with some concepts uh, for those parks later this spring. Another public engagement project that the team took on was to meet with our Palma Village Park uh, uh, users, um, and we've secured some community development block grant funding that will help us replace, upgrade, and, and uh, provide some new facilities there uh, in, this, in this park. You'll see that the new pavilions, shades, uh, park furnishings, lighting, court resurfacing, and, and surveillance cameras. So that is something that, that uh, is gonna be moving forward. At the Aquatic Center, uh, there's a couple of big projects that have been completed. The, the resurfacing of the uh, recreation pool that took place uh, earlier this year, or earlier last year. Uh, that's been completed. You'll see the before and, or the during and then the, re, the, the final product. Uh, and also we uh, replaced the uh, shade structures uh, that you'll see there in that picture. Uh, that was recently completed and it's ready for, uh, uh, for the summer season. Um, other minor projects that have been accomplished, the refurb refurbishment of 60 chairs and chases. Uh, we installed new uh, surveillance cameras um, and then two features uh, that are, are uniquely uh, applicable to the pool, including a, a new zip, zip line the, um, and a, um, a rock climbing feature for our, uh, for our, our uh, users. And of course, some other routine maintenance items like refrigerators and ice machines. In total, um, we plan to spend about $7.7 .7 million this fiscal year. Uh, this is, includes parks, facilities, Desert Willow, the Aquatic Center, uh, and our fire stations as well. So. Um, just a, sh a quick uh, kind of a sneak peek for projects that are coming forward uh, in the near future. We're going to be redoing the locker rooms at the Aquatic Center. Uh, we talked about both the, uh, the fitness equipment and also the improvements to Palma Village Park. Um, the other big projects that we're on underway now is uh, to starting the design of the park view uh, uh, facade improvements and, the, and a new assessment of all the facilities equipment within that structure so that we have a better plan to address future needs as we're moving forward. Another project we're underway with is uh, the State Water Quality Board Tenant Improvement. 
Um, we've uh, got architects and engineers working on that. Um, and the, the tenant improvement is scheduled to be completed by the end of this calendar year. Of course, the other major projects include a, a master facilities inventory that, again, sort of give us an idea of what, was, what we need to plan for the next 5, 10, 15 years as these facilities continue to age. And then the last couple projects there, we have some uh, median, uh, new median and landscape upgrades, uh, Portola and uh, Magnesia Falls. And then the, uh, the last fun ones there are uh, two improvements to the bump and grind trailhead, including a new restroom uh, and a selfie station. So that's, that's an upgrade, I mean, update of what's happening in the public works, facilities, parks, and landscape uh, arena. And uh, I, before we close out, I want to thank the entire team. They're not here, uh, but, but for all the work they're doing, what they're uh, accomplishing, and how much more uh, work there is to be done. So with that, I'm open up any questions you may have. I'm thinking we probably need a study session uh, for the council to check out the zip line <laughs> and make sure it's suitable. Just joking. Uh, I do want members of the public to know uh, that much of the extensive work you've just described is preventive maintenance, which staff anticipates. Some of it addresses issues that residents have brought to our attention. Uh, so if you see something, say something in the realm of public works as well as other realms, because we need everyone's eyes to call attention to things that might need attention. Um, anything else? What's next? Ask uh, Thomas Soule to provide counsel an update on the 50th anniversary. And Thomas, are you also doing the McCallum Theater? I am. Okay. So we'll be a little bit out of order. Yes. Good afternoon, Honorable Mayor and members of the City Council. I'm Thomas Soule, your Public Affairs Manager, here to give you a brief update on the 50th anniversary events. Recently, we've had multiple events that have used our 50th anniversary logo uh, in their events, including the Panther 5K and the Palm Desert Half Marathon and 5K, uh, which even included it on their medal that they uh, gave to participants at the end, uh, which was great. We're also looking forward to Fashion Week and Food and Wine in the next coming weeks, and they will be using the logo and honoring our anniversary as well. Um, we're also looking forward to State of the City that will be happening in May, and so we'll be focusing on the anniversary in terms of not exactly the next 50 years, but a look forward based on our anniversary. Um, and then, of course, we continue to look forward to a full slate of events in the fall that will be um, celebrating the anniversary up until November. Now, we've had a lot of organizations uh, come to staff, and I'm sure to you as well, asking how they could participate. And so we wanted to provide a way that made it easy for them to get a hold of us. And so we've created a URL, palmdesert.gov slash anniversary. Um, and if, if they go to that page, there's a direct link that will email my team, and then we can be in conversation with them about how they can participate, because we want to make sure that we're advertising everything that's happening in the city that's related. Coming up to that. And then on another fun note, 
Um, on February 28th, we were able to dedicate a new mural at the McCallum Theater that's called A Night at the Theater. It was created by a talented local artist whose name is Autumn Martino, really a homegrown treasure, I think, for the city. Um, the mural shows a bright and lively red carpet scene that celebrates the spirit and the culture of the McCallum. Uh, and as you know, the McCallum hosts many kinds of performances from music to theater to dance, and we wanted to celebrate all of it. And the mural is not just beautiful to look at, but it's also designed to be interactive and Instagrammable. So we're encouraging people to pose in front of it and then post it on their social media, tagging the McCallum, of course, and also uh, the city. And there's a, a plaque right next to the mural that gives the hashtags that people can use for that. Um, because we think that that will bring a lot of great attention to the McCallum and the good things that they're doing. As you know, the McCallum plays an important role in Palm Desert and it helps to establish the city as a center for arts and culture uh, in the Coachella Valley. And attending shows at the McCallum is already a great experience, but now we're adding a fun new element to it that we think people will enjoy. And I'm happy to answer any questions you might have. Mayor Pro Tem. Thank you, Madam Mayor. Is there a specific hashtag that you would like us to use in relation to the 50th? I'm sure we could just say Palm Desert 50, or what is the preferred one that you want us to, to use? You know, that's an excellent question that we haven't thought about before. So we will do a little work on that and, uh, and get back to you. Thank Absolutely. you. Absolutely. As, as we share all the events, we yes. can keep it there and, and get everything It's a fantastic tied idea. In. Thank you. Councilmember Arnick. Thank you. I did want to share that there are plans. I'm not sure how they're coming through, but there were plans to put on the mural the hashtags, actually paint them on, because they are on that plaque, but sometimes you might not see that, so they were gonna put them on the bottom oh, of excellent. the mural. Wonderful. We learned at the dedication that the artist received one of the Palm Desert Art Awards in sixth grade. Uh, and we learned that just the day before this year's award ceremony. So that was such an inspirational fact to share with the kids this year. We'll have to invite her next year. Uh, there was a time to organize that this year, but uh, she is so personable. Uh, it would probably be really inspirational for the kids. Absolutely, and it might be worth noting that that student art is up now in the North Wing if anybody wants to come and visit it. And if they don't want to, they should. <laughs> because every time I walk through there, it cheers me up. So, do is it. That, is that something that could be potentially displayed somewhere on our page to, again, highlight public arts? Is that something that can be added there? I believe we do mention it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Great. Thank you. Thank you. And you have one more of keen interest. Yes, one more update. Um, a few months ago, um, our staff from the Riverside uh, County Sheriff's Department recommended that we investigate uh, uh, implementing a license plate reader program um, to help them, assist them with uh, various uh, property crimes, that sort of thing, in the, in the city. And uh, Lieutenant Willison is here today just to share some of the uh, the benefits of that program has already has already exhibited uh, since it's been in place. Uh, we are also going to be, uh, we've just talked to the Public Safety Commission, we'll also be talking to City Council shortly about expanding this program as well in conjunction with our long-term staffing program. So, uh, Lieutenant Wilson, I'd like to 
Turn it over to you. Thank you so much, sir. Madam Mayor, City Council, members of the public, city leadership, thank you so much for your time. Uh, as you guys know, um, one, of, one of the uh, things that, that everyone is looking at, at now is being fiscally responsible. So uh, when we take a deep dive in, one of the ways that, that we, uh, we came together and partnered was using the current resources that we have, but making them more efficient and better at their craft. One of the best technologies that that's done through that we've found, and I appreciate the opportunity here to give you uh, some, some information on how the past five, six months have gone since this implementation uh, so that you, know, you guys can see the firsthand results and how this has bettered our force immensely. With that being said, <clears throat> prior to going with Flock Safety for this particular contract, um, we got through on an RFP, got together, and evaluated all of the technologies that were out there. And through that process, identified what we believe to be the best system. Uh, so there was, there was a lot of thought before even putting this, putting this into play. So with that being said, I'm going to give you a quick crash course on, or recap on what exactly is ALPR, the Automated License Plate Reader. What it does, capture still images, uh, such as date, times, locations, uh, basically converts your license plate numbers into alphanumeric characters. And it, it essentially creates a vehicle fingerprint uh, through smart learning technology. You know, what, what isn't it? It doesn't link to DMV. It doesn't use facial recognition. We have absolutely no, uh, no use for getting inside that vehicle whatsoever uh, based on that image. It doesn't record video or audio. It uh, doesn't use your panned, tilt, or zoom. And uh, as, as pointed out recently in the Public Safety Commission, uh, it's thoroughly evaluated this technology prior to bringing it to council. Uh, it doesn't enforce traffic violations. Now, this has been brought up to the Supreme Court on numerous times. There's current case law on it, uh, and we have absolutely no issues with it. So what, are, what does it allow us to do? What is this technology? Why does this benefit all of us in here, all of our residents out there, and make your deputy or sheriff's personnel better at their craft. Well, they're allowed to download DOJ hot lists, Department of Justice, uh, with plates and wants only. And then they can create their own hot lists. And we'll go into a couple examples on, on what exactly that means. Give you a quick crash course on some notable incidents on why we believe this technology has been invaluable thus far. First camera went out. Within the first, we have 49 throughout the city limits. Within the first three hours of your first camera being installed in this city, we had a reported stolen vehicle. That vehicle identified a felony traffic stop on that vehicle and three people in custody for applicable charges within the first three hours of this being implemented. Some other things I'm going to talk about briefly. Uh, we had a been used in, in a multitude of criminal uh, instances to include up uh, our most uh, dangerous crime that we use up until 187A uh, of the Penal Code, which is homicide. Stolen vehicle recoveries, which we're going to identify, a cat burglar, which I'm going to detail here, and commercial burglars, uh, which, as we all know, living out here in the Coachella Valley, are larceny theft and those types of crimes uh, are significantly higher than any others that we experience. Take a few minutes to talk about some notable investigations, and then I'll turn it over for any questions. Uh, our burglary suppression unit that we have uh, conducted a, 
follow-up investigation into the cat burglary. When I use that term, that essentially means that during the commission of that crime, the residential burglary, the homeowner was currently present inside the residence. This particular suspect stole numerous pieces of jewelry, uh, as well as the victim's credit cards. Uh, so with this technology, we identified investigative leads, and that further snowballed into an additional 12 cat burglars being identified within our jurisdiction. Those suspects were quickly identified. Uh, we had instances that spanned through not just our city, as we all know, crime has no, no limits. This technology single-handedly gave us the suspect vehicle for those responsible for those crimes. Our special enforcement team, business district team, burglary suppression unit, along with our investigations bureau, identified these suspects, brought them to justice, and have them on 14 counts of residential cat burglary. This one hit home for all of us. Uh, our staff responded to a burglary on El Paseo. Uh, four, four suspects entered the location uh, through an adjoining business, made entry into the victimized business through their drywall, uh, stole numerous high-end merchandise items out of that location, and left the area. When we responded to the location, we quickly started working investigative leads and we were able to utilize and identify the suspect vehicle associated with those people responsible for this crime. We tracked that back uh, to the LAX airport out of Los Angeles as a rental vehicle. Uh, when we backtracked that even further, we learned that the information used on that uh, procurement of the contract was fictitious and fraudulent in nature. Now we're in the further investigation stages of completing additional search warrants conducting operations at holding those responsible that came in and victimized our community. We recently had a rash of strong arm robberies in which they would target our elderly population. Uh, some of those victims were wheelchair bound and they would specifically hit our parking lots where they would make up small talk with our victims forcibly remove valuables to include wedding rings off of their hands and quickly leave the area. We would respond out. The investigation at those points, and we had several that plagued the Coachella Valley recently, uh, gave us little to go on. What this technology allowed us to do in a very efficient manner was to piece together vehicles from that specific time on when this crime happened and we were able to successfully backtrack. Again, this turned into a larger organized theft crew that came out of the Los Angeles area and again as we went and obtained the information off of these rental vehicles, they were again fraudulent and fictitious in nature. We have partnered with numerous other agencies in an effort to bring these people to justice. Uh, we have made a few arrests. There are still many more out there that we are actively trying to apprehend, and we are working with our local, state, and federal partners to make that happen. And completely unacceptable happening in our area of responsibility.
An additional investigation that's notable for us came just south of us on Highway 111 in the nature of an armed robbery of a jewelry store. Uh, this one was, was particular sad where the store owner going about his day-to-day -day business was struck in, the, struck in the head during the commission of this crime, suffered great injury by one of the suspects involved. The only thing that we got out of this uh, was a dark colored sedan. With that information solely, we were able to backtrack that, use this technology, and locate the potential suspect vehicle. We worked tirelessly for several months, piecing this investigation together with what we had from this system. It took us a couple months, but we identified all four of the suspects. They were not out of Palm Desert or Riverside County for that matter, and we made four arrests in the Los Angeles County area. All of these suspects uh, were held to answer on numerous criminal violations of law. <clears throat> oh, this is kind of the last one, um, and, and a little personal for me, uh, being out here in the Coachella Valley, specifically for Palm Desert. Um, not too long ago, we responded to our local mall. I believe this came out at a Thursday at a little bit after 2 p.m. And as we responded, we, reached, uh, we, we quickly identified over four dozen shell casings on the ground from numerous caliber weapons. Windows were shattered. It was business hours. Weather was nice. And by some miracle, we didn't, we, nobody sustained any injuries. The only thing that we had uh, immediately was that a dark colored van was seen leaving the area. Your special teams, myself, investigators, plug and play from where they were and live on their, on their mobile devices were able to instantaneously jump on, put in the limited information that we had. We had that vehicle stopped in a neighboring city in less than an hour with two in custody. Never would have been solved in that kind of manner or in this fashion uh, throughout the rest of that evening. We had two, two of a larger crew that was involved in this, in this heinous crime in our city. We quickly went on piecing the information, conducting interviews, securing evidence with this shooting investigation and that spearheaded into numerous additional search warrants being served throughout that evening, into that night, and into that next morning, identifying those responsible and sending the message that this will not be tolerated within our city. So two were in custody, the investigation still continues, and we're uh, piecing that together, it's still active and ongoing, and we should have some additional arrests here very shortly. So, in closing, I've highlighted a few of the instances on where this technology, in our opinion, has, has been an absolute force multiplier, and we are not able to perform our jobs without this piece of technology. These have all been criminal acts in which I've, I've highlighted an additional piece where this can be extremely beneficial, uh, should, should it ever need be, uh, would be in an exigency, 
Uh, we do have an elderly population out here. Uh, it can also be used for uh, identifying a, a uh, missing person and or someone with dementia or other, other mental health issues or concerns uh, to where time is of the essence. Uh, the only thing that we would need would be any vehicle involved in that. So in closing, this kind of technology on our end has been absolutely a game changer for us and my staff performing their craft. Without additional personnel, it allows them to be better equipped, more efficient, and be smarter in the way that they conduct police work. So, with this being implemented in 2022, we kind of did a, a trial basis to see how successful this would be. The onset of this was about $140,050 with approximately $126,000 recurring costs. That got us 49 cameras and buttoned up all of the major arteries throughout this city. Obviously, when we initially went, went into this system, our goal was to test it, see if it was what everyone in the Allied Agency said it was, which we strongly uh, believe that it is, and then look at a, a potential for additional cameras if warranted. So with the 49, uh, currently they're about $2,500 per camera with a one-time fee of $350. We have over a 99% accuracy rating. This particular company that we went with, and I do have uh, our local rep uh, on remote if need be, if any questions come up. We have over 2,000 agencies. Uh, to put this into perspective, we have over 96 million reads on these uh, between a two-month period. Uh, with those, you have over 6,000 just in our area of responsibility in the last 60 days. Uh, that concludes my presentation at this point in time. Obviously, uh, we see the bottom figure there, uh, city leadership, public safety committee. We have been looking at uh, the option of an additional 53 camera deployment, which would completely lock up the entire city. So, I'm available for any questions should staff or council have any. Thank you. It is extremely exciting to see the impact this recently approved enhancement has achieved. So thank you. Uh, questions? Yes, Mayor Pro Tem. Thank you, Madam Mayor. I recall at one of the public safety recognition luncheons that some of the um, deputies were uh, recognized for the amount of vehicle recoveries. Is that something that you could provide at another time in terms of the um, estimated value that was recovered to owners by accumulating vehicles that were um, that were uh, recovered and jewelry and all of the, the losses, as well as if any of those have led to um, the seizure of any narcotics and um, weapons so that we can have the additional benefits beyond just um, what you've reported so far. But thank you very much. This has been very in-depth. You're welcome. And I do have uh, some of that information if you would like me to share now. Oh, uh, why, why don't you supply that uh, through Mr. Heilman? Yes, Madam Mayor. We'll include it in the Friday report. Great. Yes. 
first, I want to thank you for taking your time to come here and bring us up to speed. I know that this was uh, almost a, a demonstration project when we first did it, and I appreciate the efficiencies. It's great, uh, the fiscal efficiencies, but the efficiencies are far greater than a finance issue when we're looking at, at human life and, and what it's helped us with. So thank you for taking your time and sharing it. And uh, this has proven to, to, to be a, a great asset. And I really appreciate it. And I hope that we can continue to occasionally get updates on what's going on in our community and what we should be aware of that we can share with the community members. So thank you very much. Thank you. Yes, Councilmember Truby. Thank you. Yeah, that's an excellent presentation. Thank you, Lieutenant. Um, and I actually asked this question yesterday at the commission meeting. Maybe it's something, maybe it's too early to tell. But moving forward, maybe um, you guys have a better finger on the pulse of this. But is Palm Desert gaining the reputation among the bad guys as a place? Is this acting as a deterrent? I'm, I know you've proven, obviously, we're catching bad guys. But, uh, and is, you know, is the is a word getting out? Like, hey, go somewhere else if you want to commit property crime, whatever else. I can make that very simple. Yes. <laughs> yes. What other cities in the, in the Valley are employing this? <clears throat> there are currently 20 of 28 cities in Riverside County that have this particular uh, brand. Uh, we have additional cities that are currently in the procurement model as well. Uh, in the Coachella Valley, you have Palm Desert, Cathedral City, Desert Hot Springs, Indio. I have several that are outside of the Coachella Valley, but are our partners outside. And I was just, uh, actually as I was sitting down, I was told that uh, La Quinta just approved theirs last night for in a, to uh, go with 69 cameras. And what about... Our Cove partners, Rancho Mirage and Indian Wells. So all three of your uh, areas of responsibility outside of the Palm Desert uh, Station employ this technology. Which is very, very helpful. Um, as you pointed out, crime doesn't observe city limits. So the use of con continuity and resources is, I presume, quite helpful. So one of the, one of the uh, other effects of implementing this technology within the city was with this capability of having over 2,000 agencies on board with just this particular system. You mentioned the other two cities which also employ LPR technology through another, another variant. All of us are able to access each other's information. So you, yes, we have defined boundaries in the counties, the cities. However, for us, I get calls all the time from commanders at Palm Springs, Indio, Desert Hot Springs, uh, throughout, throughout Southern California saying, hey, thank you so much. I tapped into your, the information that you put in, or we saw this vehicle travel through here. It was instrumental in, in helping us identify the person responsible uh, and vice versa. We're able to, you know, as a, as a vehicle 
is involved in, in the commission of a crime, it allows us to see exactly where that car has traveled and, and follow that. And it allows us investigative leads that simply we, we wouldn't have even with additional personnel, it, it, would be a, it would be a dead end and it's identified a pathway. And again, as, as we went through on the forefront, we have a very strict and stringent policy on it. We don't keep the retention for additional, in addition of a month, and everything is highly scrutinized on the audit trail to where it's gotta be tracked and we have to have an investigative reason for it before we can query the system. Terrific. I know this will come back in the budget process, so we'll have another chance if we have questions. But thank you for the update. My pleasure. Thank you so much for your time. Mm -hmm. um, Mayor, council member reports and requests for action, starting with council member Arnick. Thank you, Mayor. Uh, this, this has been a, a really busy time. Uh, and of course, we haven't met since uh, the middle of February, so that would account for some of it. But I do wanna bring everyone up to speed at Riverside County Transportation Commission. We are working on a traffic relief plan, which just shows us what new construction, what new infrastructure we may need, and what those costs are going to be. So we really need to take a look at that to make sure the entirety of Riverside County flows well so that we benefit by that in the Coachella Valley and certainly in Palm Desert. Uh, I recently represented uh, our city and the Southern California Association of Governments at Cal State University San Bernardino at the Leonard Transportation Center in a panel discussing the balance to the race to zero emissions. It was very interesting and uh, there's a lot to think about with that. It's not it's so simple and it's something we all know we have to look through for a very broad and inclusive lens to get the best conclusions and uh, efforts as we go forward. And then this week, Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday, I spent in Riverside at CalCOG, which is California Council of Governments, and I um, assigned to CalCOG from, CVAT, from Coachella Valley Association of Governments, and I also sat on panels there. It was really talking about the regional efforts. And yes, we know we have to really address specific things within our community based upon our knowledge of our community. But at the same time, there are certain things we have to look at in a regional approach. And the theme this year for CalCOG is California region's state of change. A lot of information and I will uh, provide it to the city manager to distribute as he sees fit. And Councilmember Nastande. Thank you, Mayor. I was going to bring Desert Willow Golf Club and resident golfer access as a request for a call to action, as these resident golfers have been reaching out to me to get this issue before our city council. However, our city manager has informed me that he and Derek with Desert Willow, along with Veronica, are coordinating some input and feedback sessions at Desert Willow in the next couple of weeks. And they're going to be compiling alternative recommendations for the President's Club and to our council to consider. And it will include revenue loss for each scenario. And I look forward to this presentation at an upcoming council meeting. Thank you. Thank you. Mayor Pro Tem Quintanilla. 
Thank you, Madam Mayor. Um, I've had some fun with uh, the arts. That's when one of the, the highlights. Um, for, for example, the um, McCallum Education Committee, that was wonderful to see the kinds of events that have been going on in the classrooms. And they have um, incorporated some of the technology that's been used during the pandemic to live stream a lot of the classes that they have with performing uh, teaching experts directly into the classrooms. And it was great to see that they are not only sharing that to the classrooms, but they're essentially providing the lesson plans, which make it easier for the teachers to participate. And um, for those that are interested in the open call, it's pretty much sold out if you haven't gotten your tickets yet. So it's worthwhile to take a peek. And um, with our own cultural arts committee, we had a robust discussion and study session about the future of our Envision Palm Desert and what that would look like and what the best practices would be. So I look forward to the next steps of that and, and want to give a great thanks to all of our committee members, staff, and, and partners in, in getting us one step closer to that vision. And I had the opportunity to attend the Desert X VIP with our staff members as well. And it was great to have um, the opportunity to speak to the artists that have exhibits here in Palm Desert, their reflection, their inspiration, and also realizing that that has an economic impact as people come from all over the world, essentially, to, to participate, to stay, to shop while they're here. And... Um, I had the opportunity to represent the city of Palm Desert in the Riverside County National Date Festival Parade on President's Day. That was a whole lot of fun. And um, in relation to incorporating art um, and, and, um, and the ecology, several of the Desert X exhibitions were actually related to the Salton Sea. And it was great to bridge that and lets us know that there is an international presence in recognizing the value of the Salton Sea. And where for a lot of folks in Palm Desert, it seems like a far away issue, having art incorporating that lets us know it's a regional and economic issue. And that was also touched upon in the film screening I attended called Invisible Valley. If anyone is interested, they'll have another screening of that on March 25th in Palm Springs. And, um, and this morning I attended a meeting with the Salton Sea Action Committee and looking at the next phases of the development and, and feasibility, they are still accepting public comment for those that want to participate in input for the Army Corps of Engineers. And also pleasantly was able to hear the news that our uh, Assembly Member Garcia has uh, put forward proposed legislation for a study of the uh, epidemiological impact of, this, of the dust in the community. So a lot of robust activities incorporating education, ecology, and entertainment. So. Thank you very much, Madam Mayor. Council Member Drupi. Thank you. Yeah, um, not a ton to report, except I was able to go to a League of Cities event in Beaumont, which again, furthers my education. So thank you so much. Got to learn how LAFCO works, which may come in handy over the next few years. Um, and uh, see, you know, CBAG and their sister organizations all had presentations, uh, meet colleagues in other cities. So again, thank you to the city. It's part of my ongoing education, I'm enjoying it, and the Parks and Rec and Public Safety Committees that I, or commissions that I'm on, a lot of activity and a lot of exciting stuff coming. So it's been a joy and I'm having fun and uh, thank you. Thank you. I have shared many of these events with colleagues that they have described. The one that I will add to the mix, uh, Mayor Pro Tim Keaton and I, 
uh, our liaisons to the Homelessness Task Force. And I want to deeply thank all of the staff who participated in the point-in-time count of homeless because staff representatives present at that meeting were able to share personal perspectives and takeaways from that experience. And I could tell that the task force members were deeply impressed uh, that our staff had hands-on experience. So thank you. Uh, next is the time for non-agenda public comments. If you wish to comment on something which is on the agenda, I'll invite that as we get to the item. This is the time to share with us about any topics not on the agenda uh, for up to three minutes. And uh, because of law requiring us to notice the topics we'll talk about, we won't be able to engage in any back and forth, uh, but we will signal how follow-up will happen to address your issue. Um, Mr. Clark, do you want to give the logistical instructions in case any hybrid participants uh, wish to make comment? For those on Zoom, if you want to participate in public comment, please click the raise hand button on your computer or smartphone. If you're joining by calling in on your phone, please dial star 9 to raise your hand, and when called upon, press star 6 to unmute yourself. Please keep your comments to no more than three minutes and begin by stating your full name for the record. And Madam Mayor, just so you know, there, there are no public members in the Zoom room. All right. Uh, present, we have uh, Judy Almquist who would like to share with us. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you, Mayor and members of the City Council. I am here, uh, I'm Judy Almquist. I've been a resident here for 20 years. And of those 20 years, I have um, been playing your beautiful golf course, Desert Willow. Um, my gin uh, number, which uh, all most golfers have, is has been at Desert Willow, and I, I've carried that for 18 of the 20 years. I'm here to talk about two important char charges, changes that have been made to the Champions Club policies at the Desert Willow Golf Course. Many longtime Palm Desert residents like myself have these policy changes, we would like them reconsidered for next year. I'm representing uh, three other ladies that have not been able to secure their Champions Club membership this year. The current season of Palm Desert residents allowed to sign up for the Champions Club was limited this year for the first time that I can remember. In the past, members were able to uh, sign up for, and qualify as residents to play for the Champions Club and would be able to do so. I believe the number of folks who signed up each year averaged around 80. And while the number of people that signed up every year raised the key point is that until this year, 
any qualified Palm Desert resident who desired could sign up for this Champions Club. This is organized play that the, mm -hmm. that the, the club, the Desert Willow sets up for us every Wednesday and we have, we have community play. This year though, they limited the number of members that could sign up for the Champions Club. And it was golfers like myself that missed this opportunity to affordably be able to play on a beautiful desert golf course as part of a club, and it allowed the residents to feel like they were part of a club and could play with other members. Because of the limited number of champion memberships this year, Roughly 25% of Palm Desert residents who wanted to be a member of Desert Willow Champions Club were denied. This feels inconsistent with the spirit of the great relationship that Desert Willow has had with the local community, particularly the elderly who can't afford private membership costs in a full country club. Secondly, the procedure that they implemented to for this season, 22-23, uh, it was Ms. unfair the way they chose these slots. Ms. Alquist? Yes. I have to let you know that time is up, and I'm required to be consistent, but here's the good news. Um, the policies you're concerned about are being reviewed, and the city manager is leading that review. So he will have your contact information, and staff can reach out uh, to get all the details that you want to make sure are part of the discussion. Thank you. Uh, yes, I did. I just today got a notice from Desert Willow that they are having these four clinics that I planned to attend to give my input. So I, it was, I had planned this and I just decided I'm going to do this. Perfect. But I do appreciate your hearing me and I had a few more things to say, but I will save that for the meetings that they have at Desert Willow. Perfect, we're pleased to meet you. All right, so, all right, City you. Council, thank you very much. Thank you. And I believe we have a proposed addition to the consent calendar. Yes, Madam Mayor, uh, I have a few announcements uh, to make related to the consent calendar. Regarding item 1F, donation of land from Don Slater, staff would like to notate that the donor has informed the city that the land donation is from the Slater Family Trust rather than the individual, and if accepted, staff will notate the correction in the meeting minutes. Regarding item 1H, the 2023 City Council goals, uh, Mayor Kelly has nominated Councilmember Harnick and Mayor Kelly to serve as the ad hoc subcommittee related to city events. Uh, regarding item 1P, City Manager Employment Agreement, if approved, item 1P would approve a second amendment to the City Manager's Employment Agreement. The full proposed amendment is in the agenda packet. The Brown Act requires that prior to final action on compensation for the city manager, that an oral report be given regarding that compensation. In response to that requirement, I report the following. The proposed amendment is to increase the annual salary by approximately $24,000 to $305,000. Existing benefits include 200 hours of vacation per year 
city contribution of $1,500 per month to city manager's 401A retirement plan, and the same medical health retirement and retiree health benefits provided to other executive management employees. And finally, uh, the city council is requested to add a consent item to the agenda to authorize issuance of a letter of support for the City of Indian Wells community funding request for the Whitewater Channel Lining Project. The city council may add this item as an urgency item by four-fifths vote due to the matter coming to the attention of the city after the posting of the agenda and the need for immediate action. Uh, and for everyone's information, the report is posted to the city's website. Uh, and that has been distributed to council members. May I call that one proposed item, 1Q, would that be appropriate? Uh, is there a motion to add of a proposed letter of support for the City of Indian Wells as item 1Q? I have motion to approve the urgency item Q in order to support the City of Indian Wells community funding request for the Whitewater Channel Lining Project. Is there a second? Uh, I'll second it. And can I ask you a question? I wasn't sure. Is this, is this the area that is east and south of Miles? Is that the where we're doing that on the Whitewater? I'm going to look to see if Chris or Richard or Martina. I, I couldn't, I read it. I couldn't quite, it, I guess it's not important. It does, it provides, well, it is important, but um, I know it's providing stability on, on land for uh, housing on, for senior and affordable housing. So it's certainly worthy, but I just was, I read the letter and I just wasn't sure. Uh, but staff will certainly follow up with the City of Indian Wells tomorrow and provide you with an update. Okay, and I absolutely support it. I just okay. kind of wondered where. Let's uh, take the vote. And the vote is for addition to the agenda. Councilmember Harnick. Yes. Councilmember Nistandi. Yes. Mayor Pro Tem Aye. Councilmember Truby. Yes. Mayor Kelly. Yes. Motion passes five to zero. So with item 1Q added, uh, does anyone wish to remove something from consent? Yes, I would like to remove two items. And if no one else wants to remove, I would move the balance. But I would like to remove F and O. Anything else to be removed? Uh, I'll take your motion for the balance, uh, everything except F and O. Is there a second? I'll second, I'll second the motion. No. Uh, please take the vote. Councilmember Harnick. Yes. Councilmember Nestandi. Yes. Mayor Pro Tem Quintanilla. Aye. Councilmember Truby. Yes. Mayor Kelly. Yes. Motion passes five to zero. Uh, so we proceed to uh, the consent items held over for discussion. Item 1F, approve acceptance of the donation of assessor parcel numbers 628 acres 
and 6280300114 acres from the Slaughter Family Trust to the city of Palm Desert. May I just, I just want to make a comment on that because it was in consent, and I think it's a good thing for the public to know that the uh, Mary and Warren Slaughter family are donating nine acres to be used and held for a park. Uh, and Warren Slaughter is, is well known in this valley for his honesty, his ethics, and his civility within the legal community. And this is just such a great gift to our community, and I just didn't want to be, have it overlooked and for us to gloss over it. And I think it's important to know that we have community members who donate their personal property for use for the community as a park. And that's all. And with that, I'll move the item. If and I, I will second it. May we have a vote? Councilmember Hardy. Yes. Councilmember Nestandi. Yes. Mayor Pro Tem Quintanilla. Aye. Councilmember Truby. Yes. Mayor Kelly. Yes. Motion passes five to zero. And uh, turning to uh, item one O. A request for out-of-state travel for Mayor Pro Tem Quintanilla to attend the 40th annual NALEO conference July 11th through 13th, 2023 in New York, New York. Did you wish a staff report or you have comments or questions? Well, I have comments and questions, I suppose. Uh, first, this, we have the staff report in our packet, and I do want to comment that it was very well written. Um, our out-of-state travel, we have a procedure, and we need to look at it closely. Is this something that is not over offered in, in our own state? Um, it, and I looked at it, it looks very much like a national and New York-centric sort of conference. But one of the things it says is the preferred method for obtaining approval for out-of-state uh, conferences and out-of-state travel uh, is to be part of the annual budget process. Otherwise, requests must be agendized and approved prior to an expense being incurred. But this is uh, a high expense, and I think we lack specificity in our um, in the guidelines. And I think I would like to continue this until we establish more specifics and details within the guidelines for traveling. Um, what this does is, I know we allocate a certain amount of funds for travel and for conferences, and this does uh, use an awful lot of them, and then what does that do to our other uh, colleagues who may also want to travel? I did hear from members of the public, because we do have agenda readers and watchers, and there was a lot of uh, consternation regarding this. So I would like to establish, uh, continue it, establish uh, more specificity within the guidelines and, um, and in, the, uh, in our ordinances, so, or in the code, I suppose. 
So that's my thought on it. Uh, let me share that I also got a question uh, from a member of the public, which caused me to ask what our policies are. Uh, I think in my six going on seven years on council, uh, this is the first time this kind of request has come up outside the budget process. Um, so because out-of-state travel is one of those things that catches the public's attention, it may be best for us to just make sure that our policies are freshened and that um, we've satisfied the public that we've been careful in following them. Um, Mayor Pro Tem Quintanilla, if we came back to this in April, would that still be timely uh, for your purposes? Um, thank you, Madam Mayor. I have a concern with, with that request. And, you know, I, I understand that when the public um, has concerns, we absolutely need to address them. But if we'll notice in the memo provided by the city manager, it does comply with the current standards, and I don't believe it is a fair application to say, now that this has come about, let us go back and revise our policies in terms of this specific matter. Um, in terms of it being a national conference, it is not necessarily a New York-based. They have rotated to different places, and it is a great opportunity to be able to engage with um, national and local leaders, and I know that this is in fact paid by a variety of municipalities, including other cities in the Coachella Valley, the county of Riverside, across the state, and I believe that it is an equitable opportunity to be present where these discussions are being held. Um, in terms of some of the, um, the agenda items are um, looking at understanding additional uh, details with the pandemic's role on the impact of families and children, um, <coughs> um, emergency preparedness for droughts, which is something that we suffer through chronically, uh, digital economy and blockchain technology, which is something that is still evolving and we have to understand the way that, that those needs fluctuate, and um, securing our critical infrastructure, small business and Latino entrepreneurship. So we know that investing in the diversity of our businesses is also uh, spurs further economic development in our community as we have seen by the variety of restaurants and, and cultural um, shops that we have. Um, we have um, in the past, let's see what are some of the other ones, um, emergency preparedness for floods. We know that a lot of our areas in Coachella Valley are uh, subject to flash flooding. We are covered in sand, the type of sand that does not absorb the water. Um, electrification, as we look at some of the residents that have expressed uh, concerns or desires for additional undergrounding. And um, let's see, plenary discussion with national leaders. I believe that two or three years ago, Senator Padilla was one of the speakers. And so again, to have access to some of these national leaders to be able to advocate and say, can we get support for these critical issues in the Coachella Valley? Um, 
And for example, I know that, and again, I'm not sure at what point it was added to the budget, but I remember hearing back that uh, Councilmember Harnick uh, said how fruitful it was to have your discussion in Washington, D.C. in regards to, to the, the railing commission and being able to come back and say this is one of the five highest growing metropolitan regions as it evolves and we're the only one without the railway infrastructure. So being able to gather this type of collaborative effort with best practices, not only in California, but across the nation, I believe is a fruitful endeavor. Additionally, yes, it, it is of a, of a higher cost, but I believe it warrants being of a higher caliber. Additionally, as um, I was entered into a raffle and actually want to have my conference fees covered. So this is, this is a smaller amount than it would have been had I not received that, um, that funding opportunity directly from Naleo. Um, any thoughts from our other colleagues? Councilmember Truby. Yep. Um, well, this actually, the only feedback I got on this month's agenda was actually this item, which I think is unusual for a consent calendar item. So I would just agree that we, to, to kind of allay any public uh, concerns, uh, just use this as an opportunity to straighten out and, and really tighten up our uh, out-of-state travel policies, and if it could wait another month. I mean, we're not saying it's not going to be approved. I would just like to see it addressed and use this as an opportunity to tighten up uh, out-of-state travel. May I ask a question to our city manager? Or our city clerk, I'm not sure who would have the information. When was the last time that this uh, particular policy in regards to out-of-state travel was revised? The last, res the last revision to um, our travel policy was in 2016. So fairly recently, not a, 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 something that has been historically unchanged. That's the last time they updated that one. There are several policies that they've updated since, but that's the last time in 2016. So at least my memory is correct that since I was elected in 2016, we haven't dealt with this. Uh, Councilmember Nestante. Well, uh, Mayor, you would ask for council member comments, and uh, I was on the fence about it, and I still am. Um, I understand uh, council member Kentonia needs to make plans, and so I ask you, council member or Mayor Pro Tem, if you wait till an April meeting, is that going to be too late? To answer my peers' questions, no, I do not believe it's too late. Um, I believe that um, Michelle has put in a temporary hold for accommodations and also for airlines that would be refundable, as I understood that this does in fact require um, consent and agreement from my peers. But I just wanted to be sure that at this session, it was placed on record the value of this conference so that it could be um, incorporated into the discussions moving forward. I do not anticipate that there would be any um, challenges or delays in moving this forward into um, a future meeting. Oh, I appreciate that um, conciliation and the, uh, the summary you've provided. It is helpful for the public to hear. Councilmember Arnick. Thank you. I do, um, after that statement, I just want to assure that the Palm Desert City taxpayers did not pay for my trip to Washington, D.C. I want to make that abundantly clear. Um, 
We have had in the past an issue with some out-of-state travel, and it was a, a real black mark on the city of Palm Desert. And I, for that reason, I think it is appropriate to have very specific policy in place. And if we can wait a, a month to put things in place, I think we can achieve what we need to achieve. I also believe that we have high caliber and abundant offerings within the state of California. The Cal Cities does a great job. They have the Latino Caucus, and they do an amazing job. But beyond that, we have uh, myriad opportunities within the state. So I think it's in our best interest to always have uh, very buttoned up policies in place to not only protect the city council, but as stewards of the, the city's taxpayer dollar, we need to make sure that we're doing the right thing always. If I may respond to that, as a member of the Latino Caucus, I can assure you that yes, there are opportunities, but they are not of the robust caliber of being able to provide such diverse concepts of what is being done and best practices in different communities of our size and of our challenges that would really inform us beyond just what's happening in, within California. And whereas, again, there, there are opportunities, they don't provide this extensive network. And yes, there may have been a, a black mark, and I would actually prefer to have some um, detail or elaboration to see how, how that would compare, because I think it's rather um, unfair and pain said as a potential negative to say that this may in the future be similar to such a, a black mark. Um, but I, I disagree that this type of caliber of conference is available locally or regionally. Well, I think we can get to an outcome that feels good and conscientious for everyone. Um, you've indicated uh, that an April conclusion would be workable. Uh, one of the things that strikes me it would be helpful for staff to come back with if this returns to us uh, is the following. We made a very good improvement, I think, last year in allocating a specific sum to each council member for local conferences and meetings uh, to make sure that that resource was evenly distributed. And we might think about whether it's feasible to do anything comparable on this front without encouraging everyone to seek out opportunities for out-of-state travel. It is exceptional, and of course you explained to us uh, the reasons you would view this trip as warranting uh, an exceptional expenditure. So I don't mean to suggest that there should necessarily be a, a target that encourages everyone to look for trips, but we might try to create a similar way uh, to assure that no council member, and I'm not making any implications about present company, but to make sure that no council member 
uh, makes excessive use of such travel as is permitted, perhaps a cap per year or per terminal office or something of that nature. Uh, so would someone like to um, make a motion uh, to request staff to bring back an updated policy taking account of the discussion here so that uh, we can re-entertain this request uh, at the earliest meeting possible. I would like to add to that. I, we had a subcommittee working on the issue with, as you mentioned, you just referred to the last, uh, kind of when we dug in and, and got through the allocation of funds for events, perhaps that same subcommittee can come together and be part of it so we hash it out before it comes. So it, 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 that would, I think, be the most efficient way to make sure that we get it back in a timely fashion. Do we remember who that was? <laughs> I'm sure we could look at minutes and follow through. I think I was on it. I'm not sure who else was, but I, I, that question leads me to believe you were. <laughs> I don't recall. Um, but if we can't identify the original subcommittee, we can certainly appoint um, a subcommittee. Uh, so are you making the motion I suggested with that Addition. Certainly. I, that is my motion. Is there a second? I'll second that. Uh, please take the vote. Councilmember Harnick. Yes. Councilmember Nascandi. Yes. Mayor Pro Tem Quintanilla. Aye. Councilmember Truby. Yes. Mayor Kelly. Yes. Motion passes five to zero. Uh, we have one. Action item, a request for direction on appointment of a poet laureate. Are you going to present the staff report as a poem? Well, I was, yeah, I think that would be a fun way to, to do this. So um, I am not a poet, so I'm just going <laughs> to present the report. Honorable Mayor, members of the City Council, I'm Amy Lawrence, Deputy Director of Economic Development. Um, as Mayor Kelly noted, this is a request for direction on appointment of a poet laureate. Uh, since the middle of this report, through additional research, staff found that the Riverside County Office on Education has appointed a teen poet laureate the last two school years. Uh, the poet laureate appointed for 21-22 was Palm Desert High School student Katie Zinn, and the poet laureate for the current school year is Zoe Leonard, and she's located in the Corona Norco area. The Riverside County Office on Education shared some information about their selection process which includes using literary professors from College of the Desert and Xavier High School, as well as librarians to assist with the application review. If the City Council recommends moving forward with appointment of a Poet Laureate, staff would welcome direction on specific parameters such as age group, selection process, suggested panel to review applications, what type of events the poet is envisioned to attend, and any other criteria the Council would like to offer, Finally, as an alternative to appointing a city poet laureate, staff would like to offer the option of working with the Riverside County Office on Education 
uh, with their teen poet laureate to request their participation with any specific events that the city, uh, such as the city's 50th anniversary celebration and any other city events that the city council deems appropriate. And with that, I'd be happy to answer any questions. Oh, we want our very own. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll help you get your very own if you'd like it. But that was just a suggestion if, if you so think that would Understood. be appropriate. I shouldn't have jumped to the conclusion. <laughs> uh, who has comments or input? Thank you very much. Um, my my comment as a, a member or liaison to the committee on the the arts, and this is something that I I've heard comments from. This is the Palm Desert has great sculptures, and so we have a lot of focus on the visual arts. So I think that this is an excellent way to opportunity, an excellent opportunity to expand on our love and support of the arts. So I I think this is wonderful. Yeah, I absolutely Council. agree, and it was great. Last year when it was somebody from Palm Desert who mm -hmm. represented uh, Riverside County, that was a very proud moment for us all. But I absolutely support that. Uh, and as you could tell, I do too. <laughs> uh, when our first version of Street occurred, uh, my very favorite offering was a little enclosed space that was offered for people to spontaneously perform their own poetry. Mm -hmm. And I just could not leave that space. I was awed uh, by the talent of those who offered something freely. Uh, so clearly, we have the local talent uh, to pick a superb poet laureate. Um, and uh, it strikes me as a wonderful addition uh, to keep us focused on our shared human experience. The beauty of the fine arts and literature is that in a variety of ways, we are hearkened to our shared human experience. So you have quite a number of questions. I see the need for a subcommittee. Um, personally, I think perhaps our State of the Union in May might be a wonderful time to kick off a contest for a poet laureate, which gives the subcommittee a little bit of time to think about these parameters and bring back a proposal to council. Uh, do I have any volunteers for a subcommittee? I gladly volunteer, Madam Mayor. And? <laughs> and Councilmember Hornick. Certainly, when duty calls. Uh, so, uh, Shall we have a motion to appoint um, Mayor Pro Tem Quintanilla and Councilmember Harnick to a subcommittee to bring back recommendations to the full council on a process for selection of a poet laureate? I motion to approve. I will second, I will that. second the motion. Oh, there we go. Okay. Uh, please take the vote. Councilmember Harnick. Yes. Councilmember Nastandi. Yes. Mayor Pro Tem Quintanilla. Aye. Councilmember Truby. Yes. Mayor Kelly. Yes. Motion passes five to zero. 
Uh, we have no public hearings, no information items. Unless someone stops me, we will be adjourned by consent. Thank you, Mayor.